You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, prayer. I don't have another great segue, so I'm just going to go right into it. Jesus encouraged us to pray. He said that when we pray to go into a secret place, you know, go into our homes, not to make it this big showy thing to show people how spiritual we are because we pray, but to go off on our own to our prayer closets and to pray, and that God will see us there. Now, he'll reward us for seeking him out, that secret place. Now, Jesus routinely went off by himself to pray. We see this continually throughout the New Testament. You know, he'd wake up early in the morning. You know, not all of us are early risers, um, but Jesus would get up early before daybreak, and he'd go and he'd pray. He'd spend time communing with the Father. And he did this with his disciples. He would pray, and his disciples would fall asleep. And Jesus would wake them up and say, what are you doing? We're praying. Which is awesome. I think I know that would be me. I'd be halfway in, and I'd be, I would have been one of the disciples falling for sleep, asleep for sure. But I know for me, I remember when I first started praying, for whatever reason, I would try to do it right before bed. I don't know if any of you have had the same problem I've had, where you try to read your Bible or pray right before bed. And it's like, if you weren't praying, you know, who knows if you'd be able to fall asleep. But as soon as you start praying, it's just like you're out. And you know what I think it is? At least for me, I think it's just when you sense God's presence and you just rest in him. And you can just phew, and go. It works for me. So if you have trouble falling asleep, try praying. <laughs> it might work for you. But the Bible says that Jesus only did his Father's will. He only did what the Father, what he saw the Father doing. And Jesus lived, like us, with the confines of humanity. He was a man. He was God. But he was also a man. And the Bible says that he came in humility, that he gave up all of the privileges of being God. And he came as a man. And I think one of the reasons... And one of the blessings in this is that he modeled for us what it looks like to know and have abiding relationship with God as a human being, with the limitations of what it means to be a human. You know, prayer is an incredibly important part of a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus. If we don't have a growing prayer life, our spiritual growth is going to be stunted. It's hugely important. You know, Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You know, prayer is such a large subject, but ultimately it's communicating with God and being ushered into communion with him. Now, Timothy Keller says that prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him 
The power of our prayer, he says, then lies not primarily in our effort or in our striving or in any particular technique, but rather in our knowledge of God. That as we obtain knowledge about who God is, like, like the scripture that Josephine read about, that all we can really know about God is that which he reveals to us. We have a limited revelation of God through nature and through creation. But ultimately, the full revelation of who God is came in his son and came through his word to us. And they are gifts that we have to know who God is and to commune with him and to communicate with God in a meaningful way. As we pray and study God's word and seek God, the Holy Spirit expands our ability to see and encounter God with new spiritual eyes and new spiritual ears. God wants us to pray because he wants us to know him better. And he wants to know us. He desires to be our father, to love us, and for us to love him. Prayer is a means by which we can boldly and confidently enter into God's presence. It's a gift that at any time, any place, we can connect with the creator of the universe. Powerful. You know, prayer alongside other biblical disciplines such as fasting and the study of scripture help us to slow down. You know, we live in such a path a busy, fast-paced society. And what's interesting is when we engage with these spiritual practices, these ancient practices, it forces us to slow, to stop, to reflect and focus on the person of Jesus. And they help us to be attuned to the Spirit in a way, I guess, calibrating us to be able to hear God's voice. You know, at Christmas this year, my mom gave Everett a set of walkie-talkies. And I don't know if any of you had walkie-talkies growing up. Some of you might be like, I asked for walkie-talkies, and my dad gave me two Campbell's soup cans and a string. <laughs> well, my mom didn't do that for Everett, although he probably would have liked it just as much, to be honest. But he got these walkie-talkies. And what's cool about them is that Sophia and Everett can now talk to each other secretly from different rooms. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you know what's cool about, about this is that there's some different settings. You know, it has some features like a lamp. Who doesn't need some light once in a while, eh? And, um, but what's cool about these walkie-talkies is that you can set two frequencies together, and you can push a button, and you can talk to somebody else this far away. And, you know, it's really neat. You know, I know the kids love to play with this. You know, they would often come in with problems because they hit a button and change the frequency and there'd be disruption and they couldn't hear. Or they go to another frequency and all of a sudden you could hear someone else talking because someone else got their kids walkie-talkies and you could hear them a mile away. But, um, you know, one time the kids actually came up and the walkie-talkies weren't working. And Rhea started looking at them and going through the features and realized that they'd actually changed the mode to be a, what do you call it, a monitor. It's kind of like a baby monitor where you can hear your baby, but your baby can't hear you while they're sleeping. But you can set this guy up so that you can talk to someone else, but they can't respond. It's kind of tricky, eh? 
You know, sometimes prayer, sometimes we kind of view prayer that way. We sometimes view prayer as a one-way communication between us and God where we get to talk and then walk away. But that's not what God desires for our prayer life. It's not just a ranting and raving session, but it's actually two-way communication between us and God. God didn't design prayer to be basically a fancy spiritual monitor, but he wants to be able to communicate with us as we communicate with him. You know, prayer is not a monologue, but it's two-way communication. You know, prayer is as much about learning to discern God's voice and the working and the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our life as it is petitioning him for our needs. You know, prayer is also not to be used as a tool to try to show off or, or to look hyper-spiritual like we already kind of talked about. You know, Matthew 6.1 Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who's in heaven. You know, prayer is a spiritual discipline, and spiritual disciplines are ancient practices that God gave us to invite us into a relationship with him, to get to know him better and move beyond surface-level spirituality. They're an invitation to meet with God, surrender your life to him daily, in order to be transformed by his Holy Spirit. The study of God's word renews our minds. Romans 12.2 says, A renewed mind allows us to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is important because when we pray, we don't want to just pray anything, but we want to pray the will of God, not our own will. You know, I've been reflecting on what it means to live a a Christ-centered life, what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And I think it means seeking to do God's will every day. In other words, our daily prayer is not my will, but your will be done. You know, for a long time, man thought the earth was the center of the universe. And, uh, you know, men and women and humanity still sometimes have this issue that we think it's all about us. Think that the world revolves around us. You know, today we know that that's not the case, that in fact the earth and the planets in our galaxy orbit around the sun. You know, and so, like the earth revolves around the sun, so a Christian's life revolves around the Son of God and the will of God for our lives. It's about tapping in to God's will and aligning our life with his, so that his will is done through our lives, and that our lives would bear fruit. Because we know that anything we do apart from him bears no fruit. It's meaningless. It's not fruit that will last. You know, James 4.3 tells us that God does sometimes not answer every prayer. And it highlights how our heart motive matters. You know, when you ask God, it says, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You know, our heart motive matters. God cares about our heart. He cares much more about our heart than what we show on the outside. 
The transformation that God brings is an inward transformation, a renewing of our spirit and our person. But it's an inward transformation that works outwards. It was never intended to be something that we do to look great on the outside, but then still be the same unchanged person on the inside. That's legalism. That's behavior modification. But that's not what Jesus came to do. He came to make us new, to make us new creations, to conform us to his image, to give us freedom and wholeness through him. A deep, thriving prayer life partnered with the disciplined study of God's word allows us to know God's will and pray his will. You know, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, it says in 1 John, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, last week I hear Pastor Heard preach an awesome message about attaining a vision for 2020. I haven't listened to it yet. But what I understand from um, what one person told me, I can't remember who it was, was that he talked about how God has a vision for your life. But it's not just any vision that you want to grasp onto, but God's vision for your life. You know, I believe that God does have a vision for your life too, and that as you draw near to him in prayer, that it'll become more clear to you. You know, the spiritual practices, once again, of prayer and meditation or fasting, which is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes, are not what brings spiritual growth and transformation in and of themselves. But what they do is they allow us to be positioned for God to be able to do that work in our life, the work that only God can do. You know, a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I shared a message about a succulent. I used an illustration of a succulent. And I'm just going to quickly say it now, just really quickly, because not all of you were there. But Rhea and I had a, had a succulent, this little plant. And we had potted it, or Rhea had potted it. And uh, it was put in a room in our house that had very little sunlight. We didn't neglected it. We forgot to water it for weeks at a time. And one day we walked into the room, and we just saw this wilted, evaporated, former plant. And I, and I walked past it for probably two weeks thinking, oh, we should do something, but we should throw that out but then never actually doing it. And then one day I see Rhea, she has the plant, she's pulling it out of the thing. I said, oh great, you're gonna throw it out. And she says, no, actually, I'm gonna throw it in the garden and see what happens, like the, think in the garden. That thing is like post-mortem, like that thing is beyond resurrection. Like I think we should just, just throw it in the compost heap. But anyhow, she takes this dried up hay, which is really all it was, and she plants it in some nice, soil in the backyard and uh, by the end of the summer we had this thriving succulent just out our back door and it's funny even this thing that looked dead and shriveled it seemed like there was no chance of revival putting it in some nutrient-rich soil giving it sunlight and giving it water resurrected it There may be some in this room that feel like your spiritual life is dead. You may feel far and distant from God. But God wants to resurrect it. God wants to breathe new life into you. God wants to bring you rivers of living water into your life and remind you that man does not live on bread alone. 
It's not the, necessarily the light and the water and all those things. It's what God does when we position ourselves so that God can do that work in our life. Because there's nothing we can do to cause spiritual growth to happen in us. Just as there's nothing a farmer really can do other than prepare his land, his soil, plant his seed, water it, and let God do his work. You know, this last year I was reading a book by an author named Richard Foster, and he speaks about this thing which he calls the path of disciplined grace. And he calls it the path of disciplined grace because grace is free. It's a free gift from God. But it's disciplined because there's something for us to do in order to walk it out. Now, he contrasts two very different dangers that threaten to disrupt the spiritual growth in our Christian walk. He illustrates a narrow ridge with a steep drop on either side. Now, this picture, this little pathway through looks like a swamp or something. It's not really a steep drop. But when I saw this picture, I connected with it because, you know, sometimes you maybe don't fall right off the edge, but you get caught up in the weeds a little bit. You kind of veer off the path just a little bit, and you start to get stuck in the thicket. Sometimes that's a little bit more common than the full drop right off the edge to where you can't even, you know, see your former life anymore. But um, he contrasts these two dangers on either side of the path. And the path, the narrow path, is the path of disciplined grace that God is calling us to walk on. To one side, he calls the danger of human striving for righteousness. And on the other, he calls the moral bankruptcy of the absence of all human striving. Human striving is attempting to earn favor with God by doing good works or by attempting to be righteous through your own self-will and determination. You know, the human will has the same deficiency, unfortunately, as the law and that it deals largely with externals and legalism is too often content with just external behavior modification. God is concerned about our heart because out of our heart is where we live. The Bible says that out of the heart the mouth speaks and that's where our motives are derived. God desires that our lives would bear fruit. The law and the pursuit of behavior modification are incapable of bringing about the necessary transformation in our hearts that God wants to do through the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not a work that we can do and fulfill by trying hard. But spiritual transformation is something that God does in us through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we daily surrender our life to him. Another issue is when we focus on externals, often we become motivated by trying to please other people rather than God. And it takes us off, off center. Jesus was highly critical of the religious men of his day who publicly flaunted their good deeds and their spiritual practices to try to gain the approval of men and feel better about themselves, to make them feel as though that, that somehow they were more spiritual than others. But in fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus said that they have received their reward in full. Romans 3, 20 to 22 says, Therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight, by the works of the law. Rather, 
Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You know, once we, we accept that, that self-righteousness is completely useless in pleasing God, we must accept then that men and women are justified by faith alone in Christ. And that's a free gift that's received by faith and not earned or rewarded for good behavior. You know, a logical conclusion then could be that we just sit on our hands and don't do anything to become more like Christ, but allow God just to sanctify us and transform us without us doing anything. But this is the second danger of failing to walk a path of obedience, or in other words, failing to do the very thing that Jesus commanded us to do when he said, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded. Now, Foster's conclusion is that human striving is insufficient. Righteousness is a free gift of God, and the spiritual disciplines have been given to us as a means of receiving God's grace and availing ourselves to God so that he may transform us. The path of discipline grace is not what brings the change as much as positioning us so that change can occur. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, the grace of God is unearned and unearnable. But if we ever expect to grow in grace, we must pay the price of a consciously chosen course of action, which involves both individual and group life. And this is the Christian experience. This is what it's about. It's about having a personal relationship with God, but that also extends to our relationship with the church, with all the other people that also have a personal relationship with God. And there are spiritual practices that we do on our own. There are some that we that are the same practice that we do with others. And there are some that we do corporately as a body. You know, we came together this morning and we, we did communion. What a blessing to be able to do that as a church family. You know, we go home and we pray. But we can also come here corporately and pray together. Pray for one another. You know, the Christian life is not meant to be lived in seclusion. In order for us to grow and become the men and women that God wants us to be, we have to do it in community. We have to be able to depend on one another and love one another and disciple one another. Discipleship involves human contact. It involves having friends. It involves mentoring people. It involves a lot more than just church attendance on a Sunday morning. You know, a definition for prayer that I read recently that I liked was that prayer is an encounter with God in which we humbly communicate and worship the Lord, confess our sins and transgressions, and ask him to fulfill both our needs and the desires of our heart. You know, um, something that's, that's amazing is that the desires of a heart change over time. The desires of my heart when I was 18 and single are very different now. Married with two kids. The things that are most important to me have changed you know, over the last 12 years. And as we grow in relationship with God, God changes our desires. He changes our heart. 
He changes our perspective. We stop thinking about things in the way that we used to think about them. We start to see them through the eyes of God. That the Holy Spirit begins to lead us and prompt us and guide us, and we begin to see the world differently, no longer through the lens of, of, of our fallen state, but through the place of being victorious sons and daughters of God. Our whole perspective changes, and we see the world differently. You know, I think trying to understand the world without Christ is like trying to drive looking through a kaleidoscope. Another gift that my kids got at Christmas this year, by the way. A kaleidoscope. But you guys know, all know what a kaleidoscope is? It looks like, you know, a pirate's... Hey, matey! I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? A, what are they... Telescope, that's it, a telescope. But inside it has a bunch of just like beads and jewels and makes all these different, different things. Yeah, it's quite beautiful actually. A lot of them are very beautiful. But you can't see much. You're not gonna get far. You're gonna be calling your insurance company very shortly if you try to drive looking through a kaleidoscope. And that's what it's like trying to live life without God. It's reckless, it's dangerous, and ultimately leads to death. So our prayer lives. You know, we want to grow in prayer. Maybe you're here and you don't have much of a prayer life or you've never prayed more than five minutes in your life or you've really been out of prayer. Well, this is a really old thing that somebody taught me back when I was a new Christian. And it's a little acronym called ACTS. And many of you may know this. And it might be a good refresher for you. But it's an acronym that stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. Um, and I just want to break down what those words mean. They sound a lot fancier than they actually are. Adoration really is just an attitude of worship, which we bring our love and our reverence to God. It's really coming to God and telling him how awesome he is. And it's kind of what we do when we come together and we, we sing songs and we worship God like we did this morning. Confession. Well, that's when we admit and acknowledge that we have sin in our life both general sins and, and specific things, and asking God to forgive us for our sinful patterns of behavior. You know, it's, it's, it's a really good thing to regularly ask God to highlight your sin for you and to convict us in your life. And, and one of these phrases that for me will always be a Pastor Hayward phrase that I'm sure you've heard him say many times is keeping a short account with God. And that's really what it is. It means that every single day, you're expecting the Holy Spirit to prompt you when something's a little out of line. And that when he does that, when he brings those things to your attention, that's when we need to confess that sin and turn away from it. And when we do that, we keep a short account with God. And it'll help us to hear God and make our prayer life so much greater. Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving, we all know what that is. It comes around once a year. Turkey's always involved. It's delicious. Thanksgiving is when we offer thanks to God for the daily blessings that he brings into our life. And, you know, it's a really easy thing to do, kind of like Thanksgiving table, you know, think through things that God's done and thank him for it. Maybe it's for his nature, what he's done, what he's saved you from, what he's brought you from, where he's going to take you. Maybe you're looking around your life and you're thinking, my life really sucks right now. I'm in a tough spot. Well, start finding things that you can be thankful for. Maybe it's your health. 
Maybe your finances are in shambles. Your relationship with your spouse is struggling, but you have good health. Thank God for your health. And thank God for the things that he wants to do in your life that are not fulfilled yet. Maybe your health is, is struggling, but you have amazing kids that love you and a spouse that loves you. If we try hard enough, there's always something we can be thankful to God for. And when we come to God with thanksgiving, we're just opened up to be able to receive great things from him. Supplication, which is a word that simply means coming to God and asking him for something. Sometimes we might call it prayers of petition, petitioning God for something for ourselves. This is also linked with intercession where we pray for other people. We pray for other things outside of ourselves. You know, in, in many cases, when we find ourselves praying, we're, we're doing a little bit of both. We might pray for ourselves and pray for other people. You know, and often when you're praying for people that you know indirectly, it might affect you. Like when I pray for my wife, you know, in a way, I'm almost praying for myself because we're so one, her and I. <laughs> no. But you know what I mean. Happy wife, happy life, right? That's what they say. But prayer is important, and, and this is just a tool. There's no technique to get prayer right. But this is somewhere that you can start. If you're like, I don't even know where to start with prayer. Remember Acts, adoration, prayer, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And somewhere you can start. It's just a starting place. You know, prayer is important because it's how we connect with God. And if we do not pray, we're going to be stunted as Christians. And we'll fail to mature as God wants us to. Prayer is a discipline, which is good news, which means that it's learned. It's something that we can practice and get better at. You know, no one is born, again, and instantly is just this amazing prayer warrior, you know, and, and knows everything about prayer. It's a process. Just as an Olympic athlete has to train, every day when we pray and we include God in our life and we're communing with God and talking with God, we're training our prayer life and we're conditioning ourselves to be able to hear from God and to be able to receive from God because it's two-way communication. You know, this week we're entering into a week of prayer. For some of you, you may be fasting as well. And we encourage you to come seven to eight. But, you know, even if you're not here, you're, maybe you're not even planning on coming, or maybe you are coming, don't wait till seven to eight o'clock to pray. I want to encourage you to include it throughout your day. Maybe make a commitment this week. Maybe you're going to decide you're going to pray for five minutes on every hour. And every time you notice another hour has gone by, you're going to take five minutes or three minutes and talk to God. And maybe you take our list that we, that we have for each day and you, you concentrate your prayer each day on those things. Or maybe you decide, you know, a few times a day, maybe at 9, 12, 3, 6, and 9. Every day for this week, I'm going to set... 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. It could be even small amounts of time to acknowledge God, to thank God, to connect with him. And the more regularly you do this, the more you realize that you don't want to go even that full hour, that full three hours without connecting with God. But include him in your whole day. Don't just make it about the one hour. To close this morning, I wanted to pray a prayer over you. A prayer that Paul prayed uh, for the church in Ephesus, you can find it in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 3. And, you know, in it, he, he prays for the church and for the future generations of the church. And 
Well, that's, that's you and me. And so I just really feel that this is kind of a prophetic prayer for us this year. And I'm just going to ask that you would close your eyes and just receive. And, and as Holy Spirit highlights something to you that stands out to you that you're like, yes, that's for me, hold on to it. Hold on to it. And, and um, it's Ephesians three fourteen to 21. Paul said, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. May your roots grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.